welcome on into Kicking It, the Northwestern Soccer Podcast. I'm Mitt Malik, joined by Austin Miller. Usual suspects here for more. We're going all in on Northwestern's women's soccer today. Have everything you need, Big Ten Tournament, NCAA Tournament, all that good stuff. Scheduling note, uh, we will not be talking about men's soccer this week or any larger soccer things. We're going to be having a live taping of Kicking It this weekend on Sportsathon. Sportsathon 2017, WNR Sports' lone fundraiser of the year coming this weekend. Over 24 hours of consecutive sports programming. 89.3 FM in the Evanston, Chicago area. WNURsports.com. Anywhere. As Amit said, there will be a live edition of Kicking It on Saturday at... 11 a.m. So that'll be a 45-minute show, and there's yeah. going to be a lot in there. Yeah, make sure you listen to that. We'll have a bigger picture look at this season for men's soccer, women's soccer, some other interesting stuff. We'll, we'll also post that online as a separate podcast. But if you're listening, on, if you're just looking for some more soccer stuff, that'll be out. Uh, Sportsathon. We'll have a women's soccer game live on Sunday for you. Austin and I will be doing that at one. I guess that's not technically part of Sportsathon, but part of it's our. Part, big, it'll be it'll be promoted as. Such. Yeah, it'll be part of our big sports weekend. Uh, that's what you have looking forward to this weekend. But Austin, let's get into it now. We're going to start with the Big Ten tournament. Northwestern made the final. They beat Wisconsin in the semifinal. Lost to Penn State two one in the final. A lot to unpack here. So and, much to unpack. Yeah, just a lot of crazy stuff. Really, I feel absurd. Sure if you're following the team, you know what was going down. But let's start with the easy stuff. Semifinal Friday night. Northwestern beat Wisconsin 2-1. Wisconsin came back, gave the Wildcats a good fight. Golden goal overtime winner from Rafael. Austin, you saw, I think, a little bit more of this match than I did. What was going on in this one? Yeah, this was... It looked as though it was going to follow North, Northwestern's traditional script for a match, especially as perfectly as it potentially <coughs> could have gone. And that was a very early goal for the Wildcats. Hannah Davison heading in a free kick from Vigiano... Just over five minutes into this match, it was 1-0 in Westfield. A dream start for Northwestern. Exactly how they would have wanted to start this match. Exactly how they did start this match. But credit to Wisconsin, who really found their footing as this match went on. Northwestern could have been two up before halftime. Kaylee Stahlschmidt had a pretty good chance that she just struggled to get it off her foot. And the Wisconsin goalkeeper, Caitlin Clem, was able to make a save. And then I thought Wisconsin really found their footing in the second half and start to play, started to play really well. Pickett in the midfield was for Wisconsin, I thought, played really well. Danny Rhodes assisted the goal. Lauren Rice finished it. That got them back 1-1. And in overtime, it almost looked as though Wisconsin was going to be the team that found a winner. And then Northwestern popped up out of nowhere. Fiel, a great ball into her. She just kind of made a move on the defenders, got free in front of Clem, and, and slid it right past her for the game winner. Excitement all around in this match. Yeah, Northwestern was outshot 20-10 to by Wisconsin. In that second half, it was Wisconsin 10 shots, Northwestern's 3. And over time, the first one, 3-0 to zero for Wisconsin. They really turned the pressure up on the Wildcats. And I think, you know, maybe this is too reductionist, but I thought Northwestern scored too early. You know, it's good for them to score early. I, I, I'm kind of joking. But there was, I mean, they had to do 85 minutes of defending. And Austin, once you start conceding pressure, you're inviting pressure in. You're inviting them to come attack you. And I think Northwestern, they're great to see it out leads. But it's much harder when you basically punt on offense. Not saying they did it completely, but to go a whole second half knowing Wisconsin needed a goal in a knockout match, 
I think it was not inevitable that Wisconsin would score, but clear that they were going to dictate the possession. Yeah, in the second half, I thought Northwestern struggled with that a bit more than they did in the first. I thought after the first goal, they were still on top in this match for large portions. And as I said, Stahlschmidt had a chance to make it two for Northwestern and just wasn't able to find the back of the net. Had that gone in, then I think you could have closed the book on this match. But credit to Wisconsin for fighting back. Credit to Victoria Pickett, who, as I said earlier, played really well in the midfield. Northwestern gave maybe a bit too much space to her. She took a lot of space. Credit to her. Uh, but good fight from Northwestern to get back in this one, in that second yeah, overtime, I, I and mean, against the run of play, find a winner. Yeah, it's the first time since Cincinnati that the Wildcats have scored, then conceded in the same match. Uh, Cincinnati went on to win that one. Northwestern didn't let that happen. I think good good on them mentally to, to you know say in overtime, all right, we, we've got it here. You know, Wisconsin's been coming at us but we're going to maybe score against the run of play. Really nice passing. Brenda Lavera slid the great ball to Raphael. As you said, Austin, a great finish. Um, not too much else to take away from this one, but a good win for Northwestern, you know, showing some character too. And in a Big Ten semifinal, Northwestern made their first Big Ten final since 1997. Wisconsin certainly looked better in this <coughs> match than they did when these two teams met in Evanston. I thought Wisconsin played significantly better this time around. Which I think, I think made we this found win. out why Wisconsin is a solid sure. NCAA team. And I think this win, that factor of it, made this win more impressive for Northwestern. Yeah, I thought the first win against Wisconsin, Wisconsin didn't look entirely up to the task. Sure. You know, not, not that it was an easy win for Northwestern, but Northwestern took care of business. This one, Northwestern really had to earn the win. Um, and they did. They, they did, did earn it. They did. They got an overtime winner. They weathered the Badger storm. So credit to them. They beat Wisconsin twice. Wisconsin this year. Ranked higher than an RPI, so you know, really impressive for Northwestern. Let's move on to Sunday, Austin. This was an ordeal. An I ordeal. Is, I mean, is this the wildest day you've ever been a part of in terms of anything soccer related? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's the only soccer match that's ever taken more than two hours to get done. <coughs> um, just an absurd day in Westfield, Indiana. I think is is the best way to describe it. So this match originally scheduled to kick off at 2 Eastern the night before. The Big Ten declared that the match would kick off at 11 a.m. Eastern. And then the day of 11 a.m. Eastern rolled around, and we were in a severe weather delay. And then these teams finally started um, about two and a half hours after that. Maybe an hour and a half after that. Played 38 minutes. 37 minutes into that 38 minutes, Nia Harris scored a goal for Northwestern only to have the severe weather warning come in straight after the goal. Then the team sat for two and a half more hours, and then the match was moved from a pitch outside to an artificial pitch inside. They played the final seven minutes of the first half inside, then had a 10-minute halftime, and then played the full 45 minutes of the second half, in which time Penn State was able to score two really well-worked goals, one from Laura Frygang, one from Haley Eckerd, and Penn State was able to walk away Big Ten tournament champions that is a very simple telling of what was a complicated, long day for both of these teams. Both teams probably warmed up three different times. The whole thing was just a mess, Austin. You were there through all of it. I was uh, on the road in Columbus just trying to stay tuned. Just just wild. And, you know, you, you mentioned how the game went, but, like, this was it's so clear, much more was than, it, it was clear a tale of two halves. Yeah, this was just so much more than just a match. And... A tale of two halves, I think, is probably a bit unfair to Penn State. Northwestern's goal came against the run of play. Yeah, in the first half. It's, not, it's not, yeah, Penn State dominated both yes, halves. But Penn State was a lot more clinical when this match moved to indoors, when they were out and of I the elements. I talked to Michael Moynihan about this in the interview. Basically, the shift, that he, he put it this way, that the shift from outdoors to indoors 
took away every advantage Northwestern had in this match. Yes, and that's weird to say because Northwestern is the only team that plays on turf in the Big Ten. So you would think that going inside and moving back to turf could perhaps favor them. But what it was is we know Penn State's attack centers around moving the ball quickly. It's quick passing and, moves. And it's reversing the pitch. You do that. Not just that turf helps you do that, but non-waterlogged yeah. grass helps yeah. you do that. The field was a mess. It was wet. There were puddles. It was a full-out mud bath. It had this game been allowed to stay outside. And because of that, when this moved inside, Penn State was able to play their style of football a lot more easier than they would have been in the outside situation. Yeah, Penn State benefited from the change. And like you said, Austin, they worked two really, really nice goals. And, you know, credit to them. It's not that Northwestern, you know, gave Penn State this game. Penn State went and took it. And they had all the work to do down one and I'm sure Penn State wasn't happy about playing that whole thing outside. But. Right. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's tough to say that you kind of <coughs> just have to throw this out, but you kind of just have to throw this out because it was so yeah. absurd and so bizarre and so yeah. difficult for both teams. It's, yeah, and, and you'd be, you know, obviously if Northwestern won this game, we'd be the first to say, what a great win, great stuff. But anyone at Penn State would be the first to tell you, like, well, you can't count that game. Sure. It was it was played in this condition, X and X and X. You know, we can, we can safely say that, you know, okay, what are real takeaways from this game? One, Penn State is an elite team in the country. That's important and to know. And finally looked like North, one, which and, they hadn't done yeah, all the time Penn during State the Big Ten season. a slow start. Not a slow start, just a slow season by their standards. Yeah. And I think what we learned about Northwestern is they can definitely hang with these teams, especially outdoors, but... You know, you give a good team that much time and space and invite that much pressure onto yourself. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. And anybody's going to struggle in that type of situation. And the <coughs> thing that was different about Penn State in this match from a lot of the other matches I saw Penn State play this year is they were a lot more clinical. They put shots on target. Against Ohio State in the semifinal on Friday, they struggled to do that. They had all of the ball. They had all of the chances. But they couldn't turn those chances onto goal. But against Northwestern, they were able to do that. And as we said, two really well-worked goals. The cross from Elliston for the first goal was pinpoint accurate. Easy header for Frygang. Back across the goal. Not a lot that anything anybody could have done there for Northwestern. And then on the second, Haley Eckerd was just given too much space. And she cut on to her left to fake like she was going to shoot to that with no intention of ever using her left foot. And then had just enough space on her right foot to sneak <coughs> one in the post. Again, nothing Lauren Clem could have done on that one either. Credit to Penn State for taking this match offensively. Obviously a tough afternoon for Northwestern, but I think you still leave the Big Ten tournament with your head held high. You made your first final in 20 years. That means a lot for the program. Northwestern has now hosted three Big Ten quarterfinals. Like, the sides are there of progress, and obviously the goal is to win, you know, a few of these, you'd hope, in the next upcoming years, as long as Michael Moynihan's here. But, you know, Penn State's showing why they've won so many Big Ten titles. This is an elite team, Austin, but when we say elite, we're talking about the top 10 or so teams in the country, and you just watch them, and you're impressed by them and how quickly they move the ball, and it's really not something that we see that often. Yeah, and again, Penn State didn't look like this all of this year. There were times when they struggled. They struggled against teams that they should not have struggled against. They went to overtime against a very bad Maryland team. Purdue, a team that is on a significantly different talent level than Penn State, <coughs> was able to hold Penn State to a 2-2 draw. Uh, they, lost they lost to Wisconsin, Wisconsin on the final day of the year. But when it mattered most in the Big Ten tournament final, I think they showed their class and they showed their talent. And Penn State, you know, they're probably hoping to get in the right run of form for the NCAA tournament. For them, they probably didn't care that much about all this stuff before that. They're trying to make a run. They're trying to win it all. They won two years ago in 2015. You know, maybe for them it was, a, all right, we're at this point in the season. 
no more messing around. You know, maybe that was that was the the message. I don't think so though, because they it's not like they look great in the first two rounds of the Big Ten tournament either. Rutgers is a good defensive team, but Penn State probably should have been able to break them down. They didn't look terribly threatening against Ohio State. They looked better than Ohio State, but they didn't look threatening. And then they were just able to kind of put it together at the exact yeah. right time to raise a trophy. And and credit to them for that. But as you said, the takeaway here for Northwestern is they can play with a team of Penn State's caliber. They, they need some bounces to go their way, but they you're going can, to need that it, against yeah. any. Just about every team in the country is going to need that to happen against any of these elite teams. Penn State is an elite talent team. They may not be elite as far as the results are this year, but that's a team that I would not want to be seeing in the NCAA tournament. And the teams in that little pod, that Penn State pod, West Virginia probably chief among them. That's not the three seed that I would have wanted to see if I'm West Virginia. 100%. West Virginia is probably like, ah, geez, that's a really tough matchup. Um, And West Virginia could perhaps have to play Rutgers in the second round, too, which is no cakewalk either. Rutgers is also a very solid team, so something to keep our eye on as the tournament continues. Uh, But let's talk about the tournament from Northwestern's point of view, Austin. Uh, Monday came around, selection show came around, Northwestern waited, waited, waited until this last bracket, not that there was ever doubt that they were in it, but... They got their home game, Austin, and that's the number one takeaway. They're facing Butler Sunday, 1 p.m., but it's at home in Austin. You and I have talked about this for a while now. Northwestern earned their right to host a first-round game. Yeah, absolutely they did. They are a deserved host of a first-round match, which is not probably something you would have said on November, on October 8th when they went on the road to Champaign and got beat 1-0. Since then, this team really shifted everything in this year. Those four straight wins to close the regular season, a pair of wins to open the Big Ten tournament. That was the run of form they needed to seal this home game <coughs> and admit that was the run of form they got. Also, just to correct you, they did wait, 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 but they didn't have to because the NCAA selection show actually wasn't live. It was posted, and you could actually scroll on the bottom and just oh, see the really? matchups go if you would wanted to. Michael Stern, former WNR Sports Director, did it that way. So he knew before anybody else where the Cats were going. But anyway, I do digress. This matchup, Amit, is that where we're going here? We want to talk about this matchup first before getting my big picture NCAA tournament takeaways? No, let's, let's talk about the NCAA tournament. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, I got some takeaways. Uh, first of all, I am a bit upset that Northwestern is forced to play a team like Butler, whereas Wisconsin, a team that Northwestern beats twice, gets a home matchup against a Toledo team that is significantly worse than Butler. The reasoning for that is that Wisconsin's RPI was a hair above Northwestern's. Wisconsin maybe had a couple more wins that you would classify as better. But look, the Cats beat this team twice, head-to-head. They're a better team than Wisconsin. They should have gotten that better matchup. Uh, Murray State, man. I feel for you, racers. I feel for you. RPI 21. And you got to go on the road to play RPI 20 Tennessee. I mean, what Tennessee's, what do you Tennessee's one of the better programs in the country. Well, I mean, what do you want, Murray State? Uh, they did everything they had to do. Pour one out for Milwaukee, the only team oh. undefeated in me, NCAA women's soccer. This. The only team undefeated in NCAA women's soccer, not going dancing. And here's why. Saturday, well, okay, their schedule wasn't that strong. So they right, were, they right. were, they they were didn't 80, play nobody. 70, 80 in RPI. So basically, okay, you know that. That's going in. You have to win your conference. You have to win the Horizon League. Horizon yeah, 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 Horizon League. You have to win the Horizon League. And what did Milwaukee do? They took care of everything. They get to the final against IUPUI. Except it's really rainy. It's really foggy. And the Jags don't want to play. And it's a wet pitch against the, a bunkered-in Jaguars team. IUPUI defended for 90 minutes for another 20. Got to a penalty shootout. Was Milwaukee outshot IUPUI 33-9. to Get to the penalty shootout. Milwaukee has to go second. They're down 4-3. Hit the post. And just like that, 
It's over. Undefeated season, Austin. It's really hard to go. The, they were the only team that did that. Nobody only team else in did the that whole country. Year. Thirty, three hundred thirty sub teams. One of them went undefeated. Didn't make the tournament because didn't play enough tough schedule. Lost to PKs to IUPUI. Heartbreaking for the Panthers. We feel bad for you. And IUPUI gets to go to South Bend and try and do it again. SIUE did it last year against the Fighting Irish. Uh, Notre Dame giant killer prone upset prone. Probably not though. IUPUI. Probably not. IUPUI. IUPUI. They, they use their magic. They use their, You don't get that magic. <coughs> don't get that magic two matches in a row. Um, any other takeaways from you, Amit? Uh, I know the selection I, of Mississippi uh, is something that kind of wrangles both of us. I don't think that team had the results to probably warrant getting in. Yeah, you, you look at you look at Ole Miss. I, I call them Ole Miss. They're 40 in RPI. So, you know what? They're, they're certainly respectable in terms of that. You look at them. They check off all the boxes of a tournament team. But then you, you look at their schedule, Austin. They play in the SEC, okay? What were their non-conference wins? Michigan tied 1-1. Okay, Michigan's out of the tournament. Lamar, 3-0. Lamar, 87 no, in RPI. No, stop, stop. That does not count. High point, 5-0. Okay, high point's a tournament team. No, th- okay. just because they're a tournament team doesn't mean they're any good. They came but from a I'm bad t- conference. I'm telling you, all of these wins are not that impressive. Right. Ole Miss doesn't have anything on their resume. They go to the SEC, you know, probably the best conference or second best conference in women's soccer, and what do they do? Or maybe third, I forget. Pac-12 is also good. They just play a bunch they of teams. They just play a bunch of good teams. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to Florida. They lost to Tennessee. They lost to Texas A&M. They lost to Alabama. They lost to Arkansas. Well, what are their wins? They beat Georgia. Congrats. They beat Arkansas once. They beat LSU. Not good. This is, this is a thoroughly, thoroughly mediocre team. And because they're, like, you know, competent, Mildly competent in and the because they're SEC. in a conference because they're the SEC, in the best they conference. You know why they don't have any bad losses? Yeah, but they don't have any good wins either. So count your lucky stars, Mississippi. You're gonna go get waxed by a good Florida State team. Uh, the luckiest team in this tournament <coughs> draw, I think you and I are both 100. The Colorado Buffaloes, who are a bubble team, get a big regional push up for them. RPI 40. Colorado gets to play RPI 200 and. 42 Denver. Denver's probably yeah. the worst team in yeah. this tournament. And we've you've heard us talk about this. How does the NCAA determine who hosts based on uh, after Region. they rank the top 16 teams? Regions and geography. Guess what? They're close to Denver. You get to play them. Incredible, Austin. Colorado should have to go on the road and play Pepperdine. And it's tough because a team like Texas... Texas has to play RPI 70, North Texas. Like North, North Texas, Texas is a solid team. An adequate soccer team. Ohio State has to play a solid Vanderbilt team. Princeton has to play RPI 44, Monmouth. Monmouth a is a of, really good team. Well, they're they're, they're they, solid from their conference. There yeah. are a lot of seeds that have difficult matchups, I think, is, is the takeaway here. And what does Colorado get? Colorado gets Denver. And maybe you punish them by making them then play North Carolina in the second round, sure. But Colorado gets a gift, an absolute gift of a first-round matchup. Count your lucky stars, Buffaloes, because you're going to the second round of the NCAA tournament, and it's probably not because you deserved it. I would love to see Denver upset Colorado. It's not- I watched Denver play All twice. Right, well, Denver's Denver, not very good. Denver will not be upsetting Colorado. Yeah, you know what? I blame North Dakota State and South Dakota uh, State for that. The two Dakotas didn't get it done. North Dakota State on their home field in the final. Uh, Amit, do you have any bold predictions for this NCAA tournament field? I think you and I are going to be printing off brackets, and we're going to go head-to-head. We might have to do that. Fill this to see who can, who I can might have better. to pick Denver as an upset. I hope so. Uh, I think, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting bracket chosen by the committee. I think it's certainly, 
more flavor than last year. And by that, I mean there's a lot of interesting little matchups, like in terms of Power 5 conference teams Shout out Washington having State. to play each other. Washington State made it. But you're going to see Arkansas, North Carolina State. You're going to see Ohio State, Vanderbilt. You're going to see Butler's not a power conference team, but a solid team, Butler Northwestern. I think the conference winners this year were disappointing in certain certain places, so it made the the tournament have to send some good teams to play each other. Georgetown Wake Forest is a good one. Arizona TCU, Clemson Alabama, some interesting first round matchups. And then, you know, of course, Austin and I were both really excited to see how these these really big seeded teams do. Yeah. So my question for you, I know this is kind of putting you on the spot. If you had to pick one of the top eight <coughs> seeds, so the four one seeds. Stanford, Duke, North Carolina, South Carolina, the four two seeds, UCF, UCLA, Texas A&M, West Virginia. If you had to pick one eight seed that you would be most concerned about making the quarterfinals at this point, who would it be? Jeez. Uh, I, I'm going to look at it. Stanford, you feel good about. Duke, so here's the you thing. Feel you good feel about. good about Stanford, but Florida State has talent that they could trouble Stanford. Oh, you're talking about quarterfinals. Yeah, quarterfinals. Okay, hold on, hold on. I didn't, I didn't look. I was thinking about just first round. No, matches. no, no. They're all going to sweep. The, I don't think there's One anybody. of them will lose their first round or second round match. Yeah, but like as far as making the quarterfinals, Stanford, I okay, would be no, a little no. upset about seeing Florida State in my quadrant because that's a solid Florida State team, at least talent-wise. North Carolina me. is the easiest. They get Princeton, who's not very good. South Carolina feel very good because they should Ohio, yeah, clash above Ohio State. I don't think any State. of those teams in that pod scare you. UCF, Florida, you know, I think that's a thing where not one of them is favored over the other. I think that's yep. an even matchup. UCLA, Virginia, feel UCLA has to feel good. Yeah, I, I mean, UCLA. obviously, we we think if we beat Butler, Northwestern beats Butler, go give UCLA a fight. Yeah, but I think UCLA from UCLA's point of view, you like Virginia, Pepper, like UCLA got a nice little draw for them. Yep. Texas A and M, USC is very, very good. Notre Dame in the second round is yeah. not Texas A and M probably got the hardest little draw, hardest little pod. I think West Virginia seeing Penn having oh, to go Penn State's through good and Rutgers. Rutgers and Penn State after a first round match against Bucknell. I think yeah. that's so. Your two your two losers out of the top eight teams are definitely Texas A and West Virginia. I, I can yep. agree with you on that. I think I agree. Um, and Stanford, I don't want to call them a loser because they're immensely talented. But of those four seeds, Princeton, Ohio State, you would have liked Texas, and Princeton. Florida State, I think Florida State is the most talented. I don't know that they're the best team results-wise, and I think they're probably yeah. fairly seeded, but there's some really yeah. good pieces on that Florida State team. And you never know yeah. what could happen. if you Yeah, you probably would have wanted to see Princeton or Ohio State. Right. Uh, you know, Texas is good. I'm not, I'm not going to say they want to see Texas. Uh, so we'll see. Anybody, um, final question before we move on to breaking down this Butler-Northwestern matchup. Anybody that wasn't seeded that you thought should have been? Uh, I'm not going to say that Minnesota should have been. I think Minnesota oh, you're, you're finished 48. That's not the question oh. that I asked you at all. I, I asked you seeded. seeded. Yeah, like top 16 seeds. You were thinking I was going in and out. Minnesota, come on, do a little more if you want to make the tournament. I don't I don't know. Uh, all right, that's fine. Well, that's the answer who was, be, who wasn't seeded? Yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know. I think Pepperdine is probably the one for me. <coughs> Are they Pepper seated? No, I think Pepperdine will feel Pre like they should have gotten seated. Pepperdine probably should have been seated. I wouldn't personally. Was, Notre Dame wasn't seated, right? Yep. That was. I agree with the committee's decision to do that. Uh, I probably wouldn't have wanted to seed Ohio State, but if you look at the teams below, like you already gave Virginia seed. I don't think Arizona is measurably better than mm -hmm. Ohio State. And then outside of that, then you're going to like. Wisconsin and Cal. Yeah. So I, 
I think the only one that really, you know, Pepperdine... Tennessee was the other one for me that I thought could have snuck one of those four seeds, but they lost the first round of the SEC yeah, tournament. I, I could have seen putting in uh, Tennessee over Texas or Pepperdine. Uh, yeah. And one final, um, Oklahoma State, too, who won the Big team. 12 regular season. They got beat in the semifinals of the Big 12. I think if they win their conference, they're probably, conference tournament, they're probably looking at a seed. So. Yeah, I mean, that's tough for them. They're, they're a good team. Uh, they're going to have a really tough draw because they have to go to Duke if they beat Missouri State. Yeah, that's not a fun matchup. Uh, Duke is very good. Very good. Very good. Can't confirm. Yeah. Uh, cats and dogs. Let's talk about it, Austin. Sunday, 1 p.m., Barnes Stadium, Northwestern hosting, as we mentioned, Butler. Uh, a very good team, Big East. Uh, second or third of the regular season, made the Big East final, lost to Georgetown. Uh, they met these two teams met in the preseason. Butler beat them three two in the preseason for what that's worth. I'm sure we'll talk nothing. about that. Absolutely not. Doesn't really mean anything to either of us. Probably doesn't mean anything to anyone uh, other than the the narrative, for sure. If you want to make up some preseason revenge narrative, uh, not nah, we're not going to do that here. It's a solid team, Austin. Their calling card is their defense, and uh, they have one attacking player who's who's very good in uh, Paige Monahan. Yeah. So. Uh, looking at the stats straight away for Butler, goals scored 33, goals conceded 7. You think, wow, pretty solid. 33 goals for, 7 goals against. That's a really good campaign. There's an asterisk on that, <coughs> folks. Uh, the poor Cougars of Chicago State went down to Indianapolis this year, and on September 21st, Butler put 10 past Chicago State in a 10-0 drubbing. They outshot Chicago State 38-3 in that match. I think you and I agree, Amit. It's fair to call that an outlier, and that should probably be taken down from the record, yeah? I think you give them a win. I think, yeah. per oh, personally, I agree with you. I think, statistically, it's really interesting to ask yourself how you deal with this. I think you got to count it as like a 3-0 win. But, yes, it's it should not count as 10-0. So you take that match yeah. off the record books for Butler... 23 goals for, pedestrian. 7 goals against. The stats are not nearly as impressive as they would have been. I think pedestrian is unkind to their defense. Okay, sorry. Their, their defense has been up. really good. I would say their offensive numbers because they they don't really outshoot teams if you take out that Chicago yep. State game. Yeah, uh, attacking, as you mentioned, Paige Monahan, 10 goals, 6 assists. In talking with Coach Michael Moynihan, like you said, she can play a lot of different places around the pitch, and I think that is the danger person to watch for Northwestern. Caitlin... DeSarcina, eight goals and an assist this year. Two of those came against Chicago State. A dangerous second option. But this team kind of runs through Monaghan, and that's the person yeah, that Northwestern will key in on. This is something we should talk about. This is going to be a really interesting tactical battle. I mean, we can only highlight this so much on a podcast here. It's, it's kind of hard to visualize, but they play a 3-1-3-3, and then when they have the ball, Austin, it's kind of a 3-2-5. Very wide, five attackers all high up the pitch, a lot of space between the lines. Monahan's kind of, we saw as a right winger, couldn't play anywhere on that line. It's going to be really interesting how Northwestern decides to attack that, and we don't know. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see that. It's going to be interesting to see how Butler approaches that. I think you and I both agree the best comparison for this Butler team, as far as teams that Northwestern has seen this year in the regular season, is probably Nebraska. Tough to break down, feisty, hard-nosed, not terribly dangerous in attack, and that's probably doing Paige Monahan a bit of a disservice. I They're think probably, they probably have more bite than Nebraska yeah, did. Yeah, I think she's better. And their defense is probably better than Nebraska. But I think that's the best comparison for probably how you and I kind of see this match going. There's going to be a fight for possession. There's going to be a fight in the midfield. Butler 
from what we've seen, seems to like to bypass the center of the pitch and play they, through the they wings. Have, they basically keep the ball with their three center backs. They play they play wide, a wide back line. They pass amongst themselves, and then one of them springs forward down the wing, and Butler tries to work from there. They're not going to go through the heart of Northwestern's defense, and they're not going to target Charples and Davison and Cherneski. This is going to be a game for Northwestern's outside backs, Austin. Yeah, it is going to be a game for them, and it's going to be one where they're going to be tasked with a lot because that's where Butler's going to look. They're going to swing the ball around. Their three center backs will stay probably about equal with each other, and they'll just push it around, and they'll look for that angle to pick a pass onto the wing and then find it quick onto a runner and look at an angle, box high on one of the sides, and work from there. think that's how Butler will approach this match for Northwestern. I think the biggest question is going to be there's going to be space in that midfield. Can Vigiano, Steigletter, and Cherneski work their way into that space and take advantage of it? Because from what we've seen, Butler gives that sort of space to opposing teams. The question is, can you take it? Yeah, their defense obviously has done a great record, has a great record. But also, upon watching them, upon looking at the stats, it's not infallible. I think I think this is a really big game for those midfielders to get space in between the lines, make something happen. And then it'll be interesting to see. How reactionary is Northwestern's tactics? Do they stick to their four? How reactionary is Butler's tactics? Yeah, does Butler have to shift their tactics to what Northwestern does? We'll see. And I think, obviously, you know, this goes without saying that set pieces are going to be really big for Northwestern in this one. A defense that doesn't concede a lot of goals, Northwestern always has that edge on set pieces. That'll be huge to see if they can... uh, they can put something past Butler. They scored against them in that preseason game on a set piece. And in, in watching the tape on Butler a little bit, Gutlove had pretty good set piece delivery for Butler as yeah. well. So they will they will be one to watch. Yeah, I think this is going to come down to the middle of the park. As you said, that 4-3-3 four, that four, three, three for Northwestern can sometimes get narrow. Very, very narrow. And that's what Butler wants. is They want you to get narrow in the midfield so that they can get wide in the midfield. And if that is the case, then I think Northwestern could have some struggles. But if that midfield can work to shut down and those front three players can work to shut down those two wingbacks, that's where I think Northwestern is going to have success from the run of play. A few other things worth noting. Butler goalkeepers split time. Had a Lutke and uh, Leody Doja. It's a German name. Our German's not up to task yet. We'll, we'll get it by Sunday. Doge. We'll get Probably it. not Doge. We'll get it by Sunday. We'll get it by Sunday, but there's two goalkeepers split time. I haven't really seen yet what that looks like in practice, but something worth maybe one of them is shorter than the other. Could be exposed on set pieces. Also, just looking at Butler's resume really quick, I, I think this is interesting to do given that we're in the NCAA tournament. They have a really big win this season. They beat Texas A&M 2-0. Really good on the result. road. On the road. Just really, but think- any no way around it. That's a really, really good result. That is probably the result that, that you put them Butler the can point to and say, that's how we got it in the tournament. It's a better result than Minnesota had. It's a better result than some of the teams around them than the RPI had, and that's what pushed them over the top. A good draw away to Notre Dame to open the year. No a draw to Georgetown that helped in conference. Yeah. Uh, and they do have a bad loss on their resume. They did lose to Ohio once. Yeah, August 20th, I think you're probably willing to let that slide a little bit. It <coughs> happened once. It was a 1-0 game on the road. All right, you know, it happens sometimes. And then I think maybe most concerning is the Big, Te- Big East tournament final, I should say, on the road at Georgetown. They really got run off the pitch. 3-0 for the Hoyas, and it wasn't really that close. Rachel Corbo's. Georgetown's number 10 was really, really successful in that match. And I think Georgetown kind of made the blueprint. All right, here's how you break this team down. And that's with a really talented playmaking midfielder that just eats up all of that space that Butler gave. And she just created chance after chance, and Georgetown just hammered it past them. 
Yeah, Marissa Vigiano is really talented. Uh, you know, I'm a, as big a fan of her as Eddie. I don't think Marissa Vigiano is on that level as that Georgetown. She could be though. Her, but she, she just has to step into that she space. She has to know. She has to do her approximation. She plays the role well. I think it could go really well for Northwestern. Uh, before we close out here, I'd be remiss if I didn't read off to you some ranking summaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Read them, read them. Uh, save percentage. Butler, second in the country, .92. Save a lot of shots. Shutout percentage, fourth in the country. 75% of their games are shutouts. Goals against average, fifth in the country, .328. Some elite numbers, but some pedestrian numbers on offense. Their shots per game is 178th in the country. They only average 13 shots per game, 6 shots on goal per game. Scoring offense is pretty good. Uh, 82nd, 1.65 per game. Not going to use the stats to compare them to the Big East because I don't know what that means. But sure. uh, they have some, They have some. you know, it's a solid defense. You, you we're facing, in context, one of the best defenses in the country. It's going to be a really tightly fought match, I think. I don't think either team is going to be able to run away with this one. I don't know that either team is really built to be able to do that. Butler only conceded more than one goal once this year, and that was in their last match, a 3-0 loss to Georgetown. Other than that, one goal to Ohio in a 1-0 loss, <coughs> one goal to Providence in a 2-1 win, one goal to DePaul in a 1-1 draw, and one goal to Villanova in a 2-1 win. That's it. Those are the only goals they conceded all year. That's a really impressive total, regardless of who it's up yeah. against, regardless gonna, of how it so happened. You think about it from Northwestern's point of view, going to be really hard to score a goal. And, you know, Northwestern's defense is, is, no, is no bad right. defense. No, Northwestern's yeah, no defense, slouch either. we think, is one of the best in the country. Obviously, 100%. The, stat, the stats maybe not showing it this year because of Northwestern's early season woes. They've had some tougher schedule. But Northwestern's defense is also its calling card as well. You get into a matchup where both sides' calling card is their defense, you're in for a scrappy... Not a lot of chances game, Austin. I think that's what we expected to look yeah, like. Yeah, I think I'm feeling 1-0 either way, and this one is probably going to be the difference. Maybe you could see a scenario in which both teams each get a goal past the other, uh, but I would not be shocked to see this match go to overtime. It would not surprise me to see this match go down the stretch and go to penalties at the end. I think these two teams are fairly evenly matched. I like Northwestern's chances. I think Butler's stats and their resume are maybe a bit flattering to them, but that is... Not they're to suggest that they're team. not going to come here and play hard because yeah, they absolutely and, are, and, and they can definitely pack it in and see what they can come out with. Yeah, and this isn't a team that's below Northwestern's talent level. No. They're they're going to be toe-to-toe yeah. with Northwestern. It's going to be a really good game on Sunday. Uh, we're not going to do predictions because we're both on the call. But I mean, you know what our predictions would be. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I think it's going to be scrappy, hard-fought. I think again, Looking forward to it. Set piece is going to what it's going to come down yeah, to. Yeah, hashtag set piece season. You know it. That about wraps it up for us, Austin. We went all in on women's soccer. Remind you one last time. Sunday, 1 p.m., Austin and I are on the call. Be parts of our big sports-a-thon weekend. Saturday, 11 a.m., live edition of Kicking It, 89.3 FM, WNRSports.com to listen to that. It will also get posted on the SoundCloud after the fact. Of course. So you got some good week for content. And now, uh, if you've been waiting this whole time, thanks for listening. Probably it was good stuff for you. It was all Northwest Women's Soccer. But if you just tuned in this far, welcome. There's no Bashik to talk to bore you. We've got our weekly interview with Michael Boydham. Hi, I'm Amit Malik of WNUR Sports here with Northwestern women's soccer coach Michael Boydahan for our weekly chat. Um, coach, down to business here in the postseason. You guys are coming off of a weekend at the Big Ten Tournament. You've been selected for the NCAA Tournament first-round matchup against Butler on Sunday. What's the general mindset of the team right now? 
you know, where's your team at in regards to this level of the postseason? Well, you know, the, we're uh, smarting a little bit from losing in the uh, tournament final and just the way that all played out. You know, it was a long, emotional day. Um, so right after that, I mean, our, our, our players' heads were down. Um, mood was down. And, uh, you know, the message immediately was we got we to gotta pick ourselves back up because we still got a lot to play for. And everything that was going right, um, you know, for that run we put together at the end of the year, we have to draw on those things, remember those things, keep those, you know, at the forefront of our attention and keep building off of those because, you know, one loss against a very good Penn State team, you know, in those types of circumstances doesn't really change any of that stuff. You know, we just have to get back to that. Uh, as far as, you know, postseason play, this is the second year in a row now that we've been able to host. So love the uh, the respect that we've been generating, you know, for those types of opportunities. I think the level of expectation of our players now is it's not just we got to get into the NCAA tournament. It's we got to get in there and do something and make some waves. And... Uh, and you know they're hungry. They they're they're excited about getting a chance to host and play at home again. And um, hopefully we can pick up where we left off. You know against Wisconsin. Let's talk about that Wisconsin game. Your team won two one. Dramatic late winner. I wanna I wanna ask. This is the first time that you guys have conceded once going up since I think the Cincinnati game. Your team though was able to pick it up, come through in overtime. You know, what was what did you see mentally from your team for them to respond to that goal that Wisconsin scored in the second half to come through with the win? Yeah, that was great. You know, the um, everybody, you know, it's, it's very easy to talk about things like, oh, you know, this is what we do in the face of adversity and whatever, but you never really know until you get there. And, um, you know, it's something that we talk about as far as mental toughness and not letting um, one bad event on the field change the the direction that we're going and um to their credit i thought you know we we rallied really well um it was disappointing to give up the goal i thought it was a really good game it was back and forth <coughs> both teams put some good things together and some pretty bad playing conditions and um you know credit to wisconsin for making it happen there was you know i look at the goal and i think man we're just too over eager sometimes um we had three people committed to going and blocking the cross and really only needed one and uh, that left them with some numbers in the box. So a little disappointed in, you know, conceding when I don't think we needed to, but um, very happy with the, the way they rallied and kept their heads up. And, man, they were determined. Like, when they would get together in the huddles going into the overtime and second overtime period, it was like, we are winning this game. We are winning this game. And, um, and they did. So uh, it was, I thought, a great response. And then what do you see on the, the game-winning goal? A really nice pass from Brent Oliveira, then really good bit of patience from Rafael to score. Mm-hmm. First goal of the season came at a really great time. Yeah, you know, Maria is somebody very happy for her. Um, you know, she's she's one of those kids that just comes every day, gives a, a really honest effort, and just works her tail off. Um, loves soccer, watches all the time. You know, you can tell her heart's in it. Um, hasn't gotten some of the... I don't know, the, the results maybe she wants on the field uh, at times. Uh, she's been close to scoring, but hasn't really found the back of the net. And, uh, you know, it's one of those you look at and you think, God, she just works so hard. Eventually it's going to fall for her. And uh, very glad that, you know, uh, 
she was able to do it in a really <laughs> important time for the team, you know, so for a senior to be able to do that, uh, very, very special. And for Brenna, you know, it was nice. Um, you know, Brenna holds the ball up really well for us, and uh, the nice thing in that situation was she didn't just hold it, but she was able to turn herself forward and really connect a nice pass that set Marie up. So it was a nice play. Let's talk about Sunday. Uh, just a weird day overall. Your team got a lead when this game finally did play. You scored, then the game was immediately delayed, moved indoors. Penn State did come back. Was this the weirdest day you've ever been a part of, maybe in your time as a head coach? You've know, been doing it for a while, but certainly just insane circumstances. Yeah, I've, I've never seen a game start on one field and finish on another field at any level. Um, and I, it doesn't sit very well with me. Um, you know, they informed us before the game that that was what they were leaning towards and that that would be an option. They said they checked the rules and that was permissible. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a really tough one because we gave up a lot of advantages. Um, we gave up momentum. We gave up, the. I thought the field condition suited us for having already scored a goal. It's hard to score in those types of conditions because... Um, you know, it takes something a little bit special to get some separation and generate chances on goal and when the field's that wet and uh, difficult, you know, so credit to our girls for doing it in those conditions. And then all of a sudden you put us on a nice dry field and, um, you know, you, you lose all of that. Uh, well, it allowed Penn State to, one, regroup, a lot of time to talk about things, reorganize themselves. It allowed them the ability to use their athleticism better. Um, and really, you know, like I said, it just it took away every advantage that we had. Um, so it was unfortunate, but, um, you know, it was out of our hands and uh, didn't play out the way we wanted, I guess, in the end. Earlier this season, you know, after Penn State, the first time, you guys lost 3-0. They scored on you early. And, you know, you and some players of the team that I talked to said, you know, we could go and beat teams like this. Penn State, you know, one of the top tiers in the country. Do you come away from this performance, you know, obviously didn't end up the way you wanted, but feeling that, you know, you see another Penn State, depending on how things go in the tournament, a team that caliber, that you can take stuff from this and be able to battle with those best teams in the country? Yeah, you know, um especially the the way the outdoor portion went you know and the indoor portion um we really didn't concede many good chances i, I think we only gave up two two good chances indoor and, uh, and they scored on both of them you know they had some shots that were nowhere near target and from distance and kind of like yeah you know that wasn't dangerous uh whether they counted as a shot or not um uh, i thought the the disappointing thing indoor was we didn't really build anything going forward, and I think at that point we were our players were just in a mindset of we're just not going to let them score. And when I think that's an important mindset, but there also needs to be some continuity building forward, or you never relieve the pressure. And um, when we were playing in the outdoor portion, I thought we had some really nice stretches where. Um, Penn State did control a little bit of the territory, but when we won it, we were able to build forward, we were able to get numbers, uh, sustain some attacks, we were generating some corner kicks, um, you know, dangerous things for us, and we, we had more balance. And so when I look at that piece, um, yeah, you know, I think our players stepped out of that 
outdoor portion and thought we really didn't concede anything. We held the ball pretty well at times, did enough to be dangerous, and uh, and then obviously we converted the the chance. So gives them a lot of confidence. Um, Got to be able to do it for 90 minutes, though. It was a good run in the Big Ten tour regardless. You know, hopefully your team will see more of those. Let's talk about Monday, NCAA selection show. You know, what's going through your head at the start of this, and then, you know, how do you feel when you hear your name is called to play Butler? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Butler was a team I would have liked to avoid. <laughs> um, just, I, I have a lot of respect for them. We saw them in the preseason. I thought they were a very difficult team to break down. Um, and also very dangerous on counterattacks. They have good pace up front, some, some good finishers. Um, but, you know, when you look at the whole field, it's everybody's good. You know, there, there's a couple of games that you could handpick and be like, man, I'd love to play them. But um, the teams that do get to play them, I think, earned that right through the course of the season. Um, you know, there's some disparities, and, uh, and they earned that. And, you know... I, we did well enough that uh, we earned a home field advantage, um, which I think is fantastic, and there's, there's no easy foes. So on the good side, it's a team that at least we're a little bit familiar with. We have some experience playing against them already, um, so we know a little bit more about them. Um, and uh, they beat us, so we got something to, to prove you know, when we step out on the field against them. Obviously, the selection committee has a very tough task. Not easy to determine, you know, how that at-large bids work out. How do you feel about the Big Ten getting five bids? You know, down from last year, but, you know, overall still a solid season for the conference. Yeah, you know, I think we we have a couple other teams that were just a little bit on the outside looking in. You know, Minnesota was real close and, you know, one of the bubble teams and I think could make a good case for themselves. Um we also had a couple other teams that were just outside of the bubble, you know, and maybe if one or two results had gone their way through the course of the season. So I think we're one of the deeper conferences, um, you know, and that's a good sign, I think, for the Big Ten. Uh, that shows a lot of respect. Looking forward to Butler, you said you, you've played them earlier this season. You lost motivation for revenge. You know, just in terms of the preparation, what extra work do you do to face a team because it's the postseason, you know, what's different about this week of preparation versus maybe last week or two weeks ago? Sure. Well, I mean, one of the luxuries we have is it's just one game. Um, and, uh, and we know our opponent. Um, we have a little bit to go off of. So the last you know week you're preparing for one, but you know you got another game if you win, like right afterward this, this weekend. It's just one, one game, and then you get another breather if you're fortunate enough to move on. So we're actually letting our players rest a little bit, getting to the conference final and playing. You know, it was a, I don't even know how many hours that day was. You know, um, I don't even know. <laughs> it was a long day. So we're out there for eight hours or so. We warmed up on three separate occasions um, and played against a very good opponent. So our players were really mentally and physically drained. So we're actually giving them a little bit more time off. We've had two days to recover now. Uh, and then we get into it on, on Wednesday, um, you know, have a nice crisp training session and there's still plenty of time to recover from that. So uh, we'll go over some tactical things, but, you know, hoping to get back to just playing really crisp, having a nice short but intense training session. And then Butler, you mentioned they play very good defense, have conceded only seven goals all year, kind of like your team last year. 
your team obviously still has a great defense. You know, what's this matchup kind of going to look like in your mind ahead of, ahead of Sunday? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting because uh, the way they played against us the first time, we still have to see some, you know, some more current video um, to see if they've continued with the same pattern. But, I mean, they really pushed a lot of numbers forward. Defensively, they dropped back. Um, sit off considerably and just stay really compact so it's hard to get through them um, but offensively they really spread out and stretch the field and commit a lot of numbers forward so it could be a game where there's a lot of transition you know if they attack that way then they're going to be vulnerable in the transitions and hopefully that's something that we can capitalize on before they can get back and get organized um, so you know a lot of it could be how much they commit forward. If they commit a lot forward, we could see a pretty open game that goes end-to-end -end pretty quickly. Uh, if they don't, then it's going to be a, a very tight, I think, defensive battle. And then, you know, mentally-wise, this is the third year your team has been in the tournament. Your team hosted last year. You have players in your squad that have been there before in these big games. I kind of asked about this before the start of the Big Ten tournament, but how does that experience help your squad get ready for a huge game like this? Um... Well, pretty much what you said, you know, they're, they're, they've been there and they know what to expect. Um, I think they feel confident because they've been in this position and they've won games. Um, they know that every game is really tight. You have to take every opponent really seriously because every game could be your last. Um, you know, I think that they appreciate the training the entire week before knowing that if they don't prepare well, it's you know it's their last game, so it just brings about a whole different level of intensity, which hopefully is a lot of fun for the for the players. And lastly, I ask you every week who you who you want to step up. Um, you know who are you who are you looking at this weekend specifically against Butler? Maybe the way they play for your team to to get a result. Um. Well. I mean, defensively, we're going to have to be strong. Uh, you know, they have a, a very good attacking player. Um, she's dynamic, and I, I think she's composed in front of the net. Um, so I don't know exactly where she'll be playing in their attack at this point, but, um, you know, we still have to do a little bit more looking into things. But whoever is assigned the task of stopping her um, is going to have to have a good game for us and, and be very, very scrappy. On the offensive side, um, I think we're going to be dangerous on set pieces. You know, we got a Kayla Sharple scored a really nice goal against them the first time round off of a set piece, um, and I think that's that's a place where you know again we can we can look to capitalize. So whether it's Davison or Sharples or Cherneski, you know, I think any one of those three is very capable uh, of delivering on set pieces and scoring for us. Great. Thanks a lot, Coach. Good mm -hmm. luck this weekend with the NCAA tournament. Thank you.